Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me, Bill Arnold. I am so glad we've got this hour ahead. The last hour, got a little back sweat. I tell you, get into some of these uh, topics that get a little dicey. But I want to thank the guys who came on and and uh, gave their perspective, biblical perspective. And I hope, uh, as you know, that was what we were offering. And I, I hope you learned something from that hour. So thank you. And thanks to everyone who typed in questions and comments. It does make the hour fly by. This hour is going to be great. Uh, Bill Butters, who is a former professional hockey player, just got a wonderful testimony. And as I'm missing hockey right now, I thought it'd be awfully fun to uh, play that interview. And then um, Mark Senius, who is the chair of communications right here at the University of Northwestern, he talked about blind spots. Guess what? We all have them. That's all coming up. We'll take a short break and bring on Bill. Thanks for being part of the family of Faith Radio. Well, it's been around a long time, and it's been fairly constant, and I like that they're fairly um, even, not way out there, so that's what I like about it. I have been active with BSF for a while, and um, that's what turned me on to your radio station, so it's been about 12 or 13 years, and it's been wonderful. The teaching is amazing. I've supported the station for probably 35 years. It's encouragement and hope for your daily journey. Faith Radio. We're learning that there's hope. He brought us into an understanding of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that every single person who is a child of God, who is a part of the person of Christ, is a part of the body of Christ. You would search the whole world over to find me. Connecting faith to life together. Faith Radio. back to the show. You know, most of the time, adults surround kids to share the love of Jesus to them. In the case of my guest, it was a group of kids that surrounded an adult to share that love, and that man heard and received the gospel. My guest, Bill Butters, has had kind of a rough and tumble history of high school, college, and professional hockey. Today, he spends his God-appointed time surrounding himself with any and every group he can share the love of Jesus with. Bill, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chat with you guys. Yeah, well, I had uh, the pleasure and I, I, of hearing you present. Unfortunately, it was at a funeral of a friend, uh, so that was not easy for probably uh, either of us because you loved this person as well. But there was a sense of urgency you spoke of, which to me is was so significant because you had had a conversation with someone else who was kind of at the end of his life, and he said to you, why didn't you talk to me about this earlier? Yeah, um, I met a kid uh, on the way to kindergarten. His name was Lynn Smith, and uh, we became childhood friends and teenage friends, high school friends. And then uh, we went to different colleges, but we remained friends. He was the best man at my wedding, and I played pro hockey. He went on to a business career. 
and in 1980, we're celebrating in Minnesota the, the miracle on ice, but in 1980, um, as you said in the opening, a, a group of young 12-year-old boys led me to Christ. And since that time, I've been sharing the gospel, but not with my close friends because um, we just don't talk politics. We don't really get much past the surface stuff for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And uh, so my friend um, at age 67 uh, got the bad news. He had a stage four brain tumor inoperable. And I watched this healthy man, my best friend, uh, slowly kind of start fading away from a cane to a walker to a wheelchair to then just bedridden. And uh, I just, I told my wife, I said, Debbie, I, I don't know. I think I know by the way Smitty acts, but I've never talked to him about his faith in Jesus. So one day uh, we had driven up and we're just sitting with he and his wife. And I said, Smitty, you know what I do for, right? He goes, yeah, you you talk to hockey players about Jesus. And I said, right. And I said, "Uh, what about you, Smitty? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he said, January 4th, 1982, I asked God to forgive my sins and invited Christ into my life as my Savior. And now I got a question for you, Butsy. He said, and I go, what's that, Smitty? He goes, I'm supposed to be your best friend. And why it is taking you so long to be talk, to talk about Jesus? And it just penetrated my heart that the people that are closest to us, rarely do we want to ruffle anybody's feathers and talk about things. They may see our lives change, but they don't really want to ask the tough questions. And we don't really want to ask the tough questions about them. Like, do you know Jesus? We, I don't know. I, I, at least that's my experience. And I, I said from that point on, I'm, and I'm bold in my faith anyway, but I have become more bold <laughs> and uh, just talk about Christ with everybody I can. It is uh, so interesting how we don't want to alienate longstanding friendships, but if you think about it, there's nothing more important than letting our dear people that we know and love uh, know about the love of Jesus if they've not come to a, a reconciliation with with God. And yeah. And if they are long-standing friends, just think the the little dash between 1951 and and 2020 or 2019 is just a a small portion on the eternity time frame, and uh, we're alienating our friends forever if we don't talk to them about Jesus. And I started uh, the introduction of you because it is so true that most adults try to organize activities where they can get around kids to tell them about Jesus. And in your case, kids came around you. Would you tell that story, Bill? Okay. Um, You know, uh, if anyone's ever heard of me, most of the people listening are either haven't heard or they're too old to remember. But anyway, uh, I was a tough hockey player and, uh, I had not a great childhood. I mean, not not a bad childhood. I, I was kind of a happy kid, but my folks got divorced when I was four, and my mom was married and divorced many times, and uh, I saw some things that a young boy shouldn't see, and, and uh, it just wasn't a great home life. And uh, then I got a scholarship to play hockey at the university, and, and I... I wanted to to have a, a better home life than I had. I wanted to have a, a beautiful wife and kids and, and be real a real good dad. And but I also played pro hockey, and I was I was employed.
by a few different teams to be a person that played outside the rules of the game. And they didn't want me to play within the rules. They wanted to be an intimidator and an enforcer. So I lived seven years outside the rules of hockey. And uh, I made a living at that. And then, unfortunately, when you do that in one portion of your life, it, it creeps into another area of my life, my personal life, which I'm ashamed to say, but I lived outside the rules of marriage for seven years. And uh, I had this gorgeous wife I met in college and uh, three beautiful kids, and I was not a good man. And a couple of my teammates saw that action, and they they invited me to a hockey camp. And I have to go back. Um, my mother, um, after my dad left when I was four years old, and she had these other marriages. She thought, well, maybe I should bring my kids to church. But because of her checkered past, when she brought my two sisters and myself to church, people kind of snubbed her mm. and uh, looked like, what's this person doing in this church? And I, I grew up with a real distaste and uh, almost a hatred towards Christians because I saw what the brokenness in my mom's face when uh, they kind of rejected her. So anyway... Fast forward to now, I'm a married man and, and uh, said all the vows at church that you're supposed to say, and uh, but never really believed anything, never really read the Bible, never really had a relationship with God at all. In fact, I went to church with my wife occasionally on Christmas and Easter especially, but, you know, once in a while, because she was raised in uh, that way, and she thought church was important, and I just kind of never really bought into the whole program. So now... Um, my friend asked me to come to this camp and he said, I said, yeah, because we didn't make millions of dollars like they do today. The average salary in the National Hockey League when I played was 55000 and now the average salary is $2.4 million. So uh, we needed to work in the summer. Sometimes we worked hockey schools and I said, how much are you going to pay me if I come to your hockey camp? And he said, well, it's a Christian camp and uh we want everyone to volunteer. And I said, you know, I'm not much on Christianity. In fact, I hate Christians. And, um, but if I did come, how much would you pay me? And he said, well, like I said, it's a Christian camp and we want everybody to volunteer. And I said, you know, that's what I hate about Christians. They pass that big brass plate at church and people throw all that cash in there. And, and, but everybody volunteers. I said, someone's getting rich off this deal. So that was my attitude towards Christianity. Anyway, my wife had heard this conversation on the phone and kind of marked on the calendar that I had committed to go to this camp. So when the time came to go to the camp, I really had no intention of going. But when you're married and your wife puts something on a calendar, you go. So I went to this camp, and I was utterly shocked to see that these hockey players didn't even know the hockey language. They weren't swearing. They, were, they took their glove off and shook my hand. They were real polite. They were nice kids. And I go, man, these kids aren't even hockey players. They don't even know how to talk. And uh, so one night, after three days of them kind of harassing me about going to lunch with them and reading the Bible, I kept saying no, no. And one night, they asked me to go to chapel. And at that chapel, I heard that I had a heavenly father, and I didn't even have an earthly father, but I had a heavenly father that loved me so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to pay my penalty. And then they used this hockey analogy that the goalie 
if he gets a penalty in hockey, he never has to go to the box. But the coach picks a teammate, and that teammate will go serve him. And that's just like, just like our Christian faith. God, our heavenly coach, chose a teammate, his son Jesus, to go to the penalty box, not 85 feet from the bench, but across at Calvary, to take away your sin and your shame and your guilt and give you a new life. And for the first time, I, it kind of clicked to me that maybe there is something, because I knew I was a sinful man, and, and I was living a double life, and it was, it was not peaceful to live that way. Anyway, so I was walking out just kind of contemplating what had been said tonight, and these little 12-year-old boys came up to me, and they, they asked me to join them in their little huddle group, and I didn't know what that was. It, it's just a Bible study. And so they had 16, 12-year-old boys, and they were they were excited because I was a 30-year-old, tough, rugged hockey player. And uh, they were going to ask me questions about how many goals I scored and how many fights I won and and, and stuff like that. And, and then they started telling me that Jesus was the toughest guy that ever lived. And I go, you mean the guy that has long hair and it, he uses conditioner in it and his beard's always trimmed up in a white he has a white robe on, and he's got a lamb on his shoulder, and he, he's petting some little kid on the top of the head. I go, that's not my idea of toughness. I said, that guy's not tough. And he's the little 12-year-old boy said, Coach, it doesn't take any toughness to use bad language. It doesn't take any toughness at all to hit someone with your stick or drop your gloves and fight someone. It takes real toughness to love people that have hurt you and forgive people that have hurt you. And uh, that's what that's what toughness is, and that's who Jesus was. And I'm going, wow, here I am, a 30-year-old professional hockey player, teaching kids how to shoot and pass a puck, and they're teaching me about the Savior of the world. And I listened to them, and then they were going to close in prayer, and they, uh, they started praying out loud, and I never even prayed. And a little 12-year-old boy prayed that I could know what peace was. And the next little boy said, I pray that Coach Butters could know what love is. And then one little boy um, prayed, I pray that Coach Butters could know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And uh, for the first time in my life, I started to cry. And... Uh, I got down on my knees, and those little boys just came around me, and they put their hands on me, and they led me in a prayer to receive Jesus as my Savior. So that's the real miracle on ice that we're celebrating in 1980. That happened July 7th, 1980. And I know we're celebrating uh, the gold medal. Herb Brooks, my old college coach, winning uh, the gold medal in 1980. But the little miracle on ice happened in that little dorm room, and... Uh, yeah, little boys had enough courage to pray for a tough, broken-down hockey player. Yeah, just spectacular, uh, Bill. Bill Butters is my guest. I'm going to take a little break. When we come back, uh, more time with Bill. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be talking to Bill Butters today. He's a former professional uh, hockey player. And now he is spending all of his time and energy sharing the love of Jesus uh, with groups and, and hockey groups and uh, players and teams and 
So, Bill, when you get a chance to talk to groups and chapels and and you get them together, what are what's the tone? What are their what are the ears like when they are they listening and hearing? Are they uh, warm and receptive to the gospel? What, what's your feedback? Well, it's funny you ask that. The, our chapel lesson this this week, actually, for the teams I meet with, are, are the uh, the parable of the sower. And uh, Jesus is using the, the analogy of the farmer sowing his seed. And some fell on hard ground, and some fell on rocky soil, and some fell on thorny soil, and some fell on good soil. And and that's the temperature of the locker room. I mean, some people are hard-hearted at first. Some people, you know, they get excited, they get inspired, and it, the, the seed springs up quickly. And then as soon as they get a little pushback, they kind of fade out. And then some just, they, they get excited and they come for a few, and all of a sudden the pressure of not scoring or, you know, what the pro scouts are saying about them or whatever, you know, kind of chokes out, and they kind of pull back. But then there's some guys that hear it and they receive it and they just grow and they flourish. So the parable of the sower is the world, you know, it's just, that's how it is. But most guys, whether they're pro hockey players or Division One college or, or Squirty or Bantams, whatever teams I meet, everyone is hungry to be loved by someone and everyone wants to be accepted. And when I tell them that God loves them no matter what and Jesus loves them no matter what and you can be forgiven. And then I don't know if you've ever been to a hockey game, Bill, I'm sure you have and maybe your audience has, but every 20 minutes a miracle happens at an ice hockey rink. The end doors open up and the Zamboni comes out and it picks up the brokenness, the broken sticks, the spit, the snot rockets, the broken ice, and it picks all the stuff up and lays a smooth, warm layer of water and it fills in the cracks and it gives us a clean sheet of ice. And that's what God will do for your, our lives, I tell them. You know, God will pick that stuff up if you've got, come from a divorce, if your girlfriend's dumped you, if you're not on the first line. God can use that. He can give you a clean sheet of ice, you know, to skate on. I guess that's a long answer to your question. I love it, it's, though. Some people say, yay, I want to learn more. Some people say, ah, it's not for me. But the, the, there's a couple of guys from foreign countries that, Really, they don't have much faith across the pond in a lot of places. But when they come and they hear, because they've never opened up a Bible, and they've, they're just, it's hearsay. And even in America and in Canada, it's its mainly hearsay. People, whether they're men or women, have rarely opened up the Word of God. And, you know, it says in Romans 12, um, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And when they see that God's Word can transform them and the Holy Spirit can empower them, it's it's life-changing still today. So it's the most exciting job that I've ever had. I'm just a hockey player, and I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree sometimes, but I'll tell you, God, God... I've had surgeries on my shoulder, on my nose. I take medication for seizures that I've had so many concussions. But the greatest surgery he ever performed happened in that dorm room in 1980 with 12-year-old boys. I mean, they were smelly. They were stinky. They they didn't have their doctorate degree. They didn't have their scrubs on. But God used them 
to take away my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Yeah, and, I- and you know that that is the beauty of the gospel. God can take away Aaron Rodgers' heart of stone. He can put in a heart of flesh. He just has to let the Spirit of God touch his heart again. And Bill, I'd say those little twelve-year-old stinky group of kids were leading with love. They they loved oh, yeah. Coach Butters, didn't they? They did, and you know I like to put four or five golf balls in my mouth and take my tooth out and you know do stupid stuff. And uh, you build a relationship with kids, and and all of a sudden they see that you care about them, so they're going to be caring about you, and they're going to be caring about what you say. And that's that's the beauty of relationships. That's the beauty of God. That's why he came to, to earth at Christmas. You know, we celebrate God with us, Emmanuel. He came to show us he cares and loves and wants a relationship. And once we enter into that, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since you've been playing professional hockey, if you're pushing 70. And yeah. I know that you uh, were the tough guy. And so when you see tough guys out on the ice today, do you do you think, uh, boy, that was me, or what do you think nowadays? You know, it's just like a plumber or an electrician or a pastor. You know, if it's their calling, if it's their job, it's within the rules of the game. I go, you know, you're going to get hurt. You're going to lose some teeth. Your nose is going to. You might you get your nose broken. You might have a concussion. You might have to. You know, but that's what they're paying you to do. Do it to the best of your ability. Yeah, You know, I mean, I look at football players, they hit guys harder than people punch, I can tell you that. You get a 6'6", 270-pound guy hitting you from the blind side in the back, I, I'm, I'm amazed that a quarterback can even live after a game, more or less play another one. So they get hit harder than anybody gets hit in a fight. And as long as it's in the rule book, you know, I, I say go at it, but I, I just know there might be a better way, but, you know, we're, everyone's trying to make it and uh, to get the approval, you know, of, of people. And I would like to say there might be a better way for you, but maybe that's a skill set they have. I mean, there's a lot of warriors in the Bible. Well, it's just a, so. del- a delight uh, talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, and your encouragement to all the listeners. All right. God bless you, and thanks yep. for calling. Yep. God bless Bye-bye. you. Bill Butters has been my guest, and it makes me miss hockey, that's for sure. I am missing hockey. But anyway, we're going to come up... Uh, on the next half hour with Mark Senius. He's the uh, chair of communications right here at the University of Northwestern. We're going to talk about blind spots. Guess what? I think we all have
Welcome back to the show. I'm always glad to have Mark Senius on the program because it's nice to have a professional on the air. By that, I don't mean me. I mean him. He's uh, worked in radio for 20 years before joining the University of Northwestern. He is the chair of the Department of Communications. Mark, welcome. Thank you very much, Bill. Good to be here with you, yeah, sort of, you yeah. know, in a way. What do you got going today? Well, today the CenturyLink guy is in so that we can uh, increase our internet uh, situation. We got, we finally got rid of our landline, and apparently to get rid of our landline, we have to upgrade our internet. Okay. So you can't just do one thing and not do the other. It's a little bit like a, an adult version of you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> yeah, and not all internet uh, companies are created alike. My internet is Bob's Internet and Rare Gem Appraisal. They don't, yeah. <laughs> they don't do either very well. Well, I did order mine through Burke's Pool Hall and Flea Bombing, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ran into you in the lobby uh, where we both work, and you teased me with this presentation you gave on your blind spots. And I, I was I was very interested in going to that presentation, but then I had to go to lunch, so I didn't make it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, well, and it's, you know, that's kind of the, you know, a blind spot when they first asked me to talk about blind spot. I thought we were going to talk about the television show. Um, <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about blind spots. Little did I know. Yeah. And little did I know there was an actually book called Blind Spot. And so um, I had so a colleague and I were, you know, we've been going through these things about, you know, how can we be better people create an image of God? And and, you know, but we all have these these blind spots. And it's it's a kind of a secular book about blind spots. And we all have these mind bugs where, you know, we go along and we just don't see these 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 um, these things in our life with, that are just very plain, and our minds can play tricks on us. And um, you know, in, in the book, there's an example of two tables, and they're kind of drawn from two different perspectives. And it makes you look like one is longer than the other, but really, if you measure them, um, they're both the same. And so sometimes we just, you know, we just don't look at things in an objective way. We're just very subjective in what we what we do. There's only one person, of course, who's objective in Christ. So, so they asked me, I felt like I was, you know, I'm just this blind, you know, person, you know, blind scroll trying to find a nut. I'm the most blind person they could have chosen to do this, to talk about blind spots. And so, um, so that's what we did. We were, yeah. so was my colleague, Ann Sorensen and I, we talked about uh, blind spots and, you know, but before we, you know, before we began, we basically kind of talked about, you know, creating this foundation that, you know, that God created the earth. He spoke the word into existence, spoke us to his, in existence, created people in his image, and then he gave us dominion over the earth. But of course, in the garden, we totally failed, blew it, separated us from God, uh, listened to the lies of Satan, and, you know, so here's these mind bugs kind of coming in. We just get this twisted view of what's really out there. And we have blind spots. Um, but then God made a promise that he's going to redeem his people through Christ. So Christ came, died, rose again, will come again. We're celebrated this week. Um, he is risen. He's risen indeed. And, you know, and so all along the way, God has been, Jesus has been teaching us, love God, love our neighbor, these fellow image bearers that, you know, that are around us. And, you know, God created every human in his image. So every human shares the same dignity and value because, we're created in the in the image of God, but we're sinful. So the fact that we have blind spots really shouldn't surprise us. You know, we we have sin, sinful tendencies. We 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 do the very things we do not want to do, as Paul would say. Mm-hmm. So 
So as we pursue Jesus, we pray the Holy Spirit comes, transforms us, renews our mind, but we're still these sinful people. So we just have these blind spots when we all fall short of the glory of God. And so that's, you know, kind of the how we began this uh, conversation. And then just a lot of personal history of sort of how I grew up and, um, you know, how some of these blind spots that I have is, you know, certainly from, you know, the way that I grew up and in, in my family, for yeah. better or worse. Yeah, Mark, so... It- I would say most people have what four or five blind spots in life. Is there yeah. is there a rule of thumb as to how many someone might have? Yeah. No and, one ever has any more than the hands they have, you know, okay. the fingers they have on their hand. Okay. Right? And we first learned about blind spots in driver's ed when we were fifteen, where you have to look over your left shoulder to check your blind spot because there's that distance between what you can see in the mirror and what's actually behind you. So that was my first introduction to it. So it sounds like as we talk about blind spots in other people's lives or our own that we have to then be open to what's called uh, criticism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why, why, and then then look for solutions and how to be better. So, you know, what do they do? They put, you know, the, the, the mirrors so that it would help you with, you know, so you would see the, wouldn't see the blind spots. Now it's electronically, you might get it, you know, if you have a fancy car, it might have a, um, you know, an electric light on the, in the, in the mirror that will alert you that the car is there that you might not even see. And I think we should just, there's always things in relationships and the way that we see other people that we just have these these blind spots and we call things certain names um, that, you know, really don't take into consideration the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a, a comparison, but there was a, a management theory called the beach ball theory where, you know, if you're in finance, the only, you know, stripe you see on the beach ball uh, ball is the green one. And, you know, right. if you're in administration, maybe the only stripe you see is the red one because everyone only sees their own stripe, but nobody sees the whole ball. And that, I don't know if yep. that's a fair analogy, but I would say all of us have this thought that um, we're doing the best we can, but we're not seeing stuff that others may be able to see on our behalf. And if they don't tell us about it, they're not doing us any favors. Correct. Um, and, you know, especially in the Christian world where we have this wide variety of, you know, wide, wide range of theologies. And if your theology doesn't match my theology, my way is Yahweh, then therefore I will dismiss you. Or conversely, if there's a secular theory that's floated about, well, it's secular, so there, therefore there can't be anything I can learn from it. And so, and I think when we close ourselves off like that, um, I think we need to sort of, you know, look at things and treat them like a fish dinner. I don't know who first said that, but, you know, you kind of pick the bones out to get to the meat. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, where you just need to be open to what, you know, what God might be revealing to you in other, in other ways. I mean, there's common grace. Um, you know, there's a lot of grace. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we can kind of slow down and really begin to think about, you know, other people, and it's not, you're not the center of the universe, essentially. Yeah, good point. Um, So would you be willing to share uh, a blind spot, a personal one of yours? Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Which one would you like to hear? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, well, we got a little more time to kill, so a couple if you like. (laughs) Might as well just, yeah, pull up a chair. Um, Well, I mean, so for me, I grew up in a, in a military family, my dad was an officer in the military, and 
he would always say, don't ever become anything but an officer. Don't become an enlisted person. So, you know, enlisted people are bad. And, and this is just my experience. I'm not saying that this is, a, this is not an indictment on, you know, the military. Just this was sort of my, how I grew up. And so, and a lot of times the enlisted um, folks who happen to be people of color. Most of the officers happen to be, you know, Caucasian. And so, you know, you get just, it kind of gets ingrained mm. that, you know, so enlisted people are less than, you know, there's a hierarchy of things, you know, generals are better than colonels, colonels better than lieutenant colonels. And so, you know, so you just have this hierarchy and the enlisted were just the lowest of the low. And, you know, we didn't hang out with them. We couldn't go over there. You know, officers had to stick together. So it was very segregated. And so you just sort of you just kind of learn that kind of thing. And then I also grew up in California for a number of years. And, you know, we had some we had help that would come and mow the lawn and had a maid once a week and generally Hispanic. And so you begin to it's like, wow, I just have all of these, you know, um, kind of blind spots and on on a hierarchy of people that some people are have better jobs than other people instead of just thinking of it as different jobs. And, yeah. you know, that there's a lot of things that you can do for the glory of God, um, you know, in any profession that you're in, because um, there's no better place to be than where God plants you. Um, that's, you know, kind of learning that. And so, um, and then when we, um, we, my wife and I, we've been married for 27 years. We have three kids, and one of our kids is adopted from Ethiopia. And, you know, even just that adoption and the reaction from my parents at the time was less than enthusiastic. You know, why can't you, you know, adopt a child from China? They're so much smarter, right? And it's like, ah, uh, you know, it nearly ruined the relationship I had with my parents. You know, you know, the Lord says to respect and honor your parents, but... You know, that's a brutal truth that I had to sort of grapple with. And mercifully, God, you know, worked on their heart, and they realized what they had said is going to end up, you know, ruining um, our relationship. And they chose to keep the relationship alive. And I can say that through God's grace, they love my son um, tremendously. Or My dad died. My mom died last year, but um, but my, my dad is definitely, you know— just loves, loves him. And so I'm grateful for that. But now here's this cute little kid who's become an adult now. He's, you know, teenager, starting to drive and all of that. And I was realizing there was just much I didn't know. It's like, I mean, I have to teach him, you know, where to put his hands in the car if he's ever stopped by a police officer. I never had to worry about where I put my hands in the car. Right. You know? And so, so there's just those kinds of things. And you know, like I don't have to worry about going to Walgreens at 1030 at night or 1130 at night. But I have to tell my sons, like, you know, hey, look, if there's something, you know, if you need to do something at night, make sure that you just you really you absolutely have to do it then. You know, couldn't it wait till the next day? And I've had other friends, you know, who, people of color have said, you know, as, as my son begins to drive, make sure that car is working and it looks good. Like, you know, there's no broken parts. And, you know, just I just never knew I had to learn those kinds of things. And it's shocking because you just, you know, how is this a racist society? And I don't understand. And 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 yet there's just some things that are just in this culture that have been around for so long that you just don't even realize how the system is sort of broken mm -hmm. as, as you begin to navigate through it. 
And so I began to get really challenged. And most of the time I found myself being super defensive and just not willing to listen. And, um, and so now my, you know, what I've had to do is, is to be a, a lot more attuned to that and be a lot more patient and willing to be, be a little bit more empathetic or sympathetic to, you know, a position um, that somebody else might have. And so one of my favorite songwriters is Andy Gullihorn, and he writes a song called Beyond the Frame. And he writes a song, or it's an album called Beyond the Frame, and there's a song on it called The Grand Canyon. And he says he took a picture of the Grand Canyon, uh, so I could remember that that day, but there's so much more beyond the frame. And I think that if we can just sort of begin to expand the frame in the way that we look look at things, keeping our eyes set upon Christ above all things, um, you know, keep our eyes there, not on earthly things. But as we do that, then, you know, we'll be able to have his lens, you know, his broad, big, huge lens um, as we are able to navigate this life and, and be able to care and have compassion and therefore love our neighbor better. Yeah, for sheltering at home, this is way more interesting than I thought it would be. <laughs> well, yeah, I have, a, I have, you know, I can ponder my navel better than, you know, I guess most. <laughs> All right. Let me take a short so. break. Mark Senius is my guest. He's the chair of uh, Department of Communications here at the University of Northwestern. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be talking to Mark Senius. He is the chair in the, Depart- in the Department of Communications here at the University of Northwestern. And recently, he gave a presentation on blind spots, and I wanted to learn more about it because I ran into him in the lobby, and I said, tell me more, and he's telling us more. You know, when you talk about blind spots, this is so interesting, Mark, the way you uh, have just unfolded about your son and everything else and your parents. Um, that w- wasn't the direction I thought you were going to go, to be honest. I thought blind mm. spots were things about... You know, uh, and and I think what you said is spot on. But when I think of blind spots, I think, well, I'm I like I like to avoid the difficult conversations. That's a blind spot for me. Oh yeah, I mean, it certainly can be. It's any number of things. Just yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, that but if we're, be, gonna, uh, if we're going to cure the blind spots and actually be open to to blind spots, we're going to have to solicit feedback in some way. And nobody likes feedback, um, or maybe they do, but. It's a hard pill to swallow for most of us. Well, definitely. Um, yeah. So what do you think of me as a radio host, Mark? Apparently my blind spot is this conversation right now. Um, <laughs> as I struggle to answer the question. But uh, it, no, I think that it's right. I mean, because I, mean, I know that a blind spot I have is I hate confrontation. Me too. Um, you know, my wife and I have something very difficult to talk about. It's like, you know, hey, can I make you some popcorn? You know, just like this, give me any, you know, can I do anything? Hey, David, hey, here's a new show on Netflix. You know. <laughs> anything to just and, try to get out of it. Right. And so, you know, whatever I can do to, you know, to kind of wiggle, uh, you know, my way out of those kinds of things. And I think, yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes anxiety and, you know, you just feel like it's going to go worse than it is. And so we're our own worst enemy when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I'd say, you know, nine times out of ten, um, you know, the conversation turns out better. And, and, you know, it's freeing when you have those kind of conversations and you kind of, you know, you, you get those issues that you need to 
get resolved, resolved. And, um, and then you're, you know, you're richer and, and stronger, stronger for it. Well, let me ask you this question then. Is it, um, is it a trigger? You know, when your wife says, I want to have a difficult, difficult conversation, does that produce a trigger in you? Yeah, I would. I mean, it does. I mean, so you I, instinctively I would, react without thinking because it's like, oh, let's watch Netflix. Let's do something else. Yeah, it's like, or you know, uh, or uh, I know we need to talk about something, and then I don't initiate it. That's probably um, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's probably most. You know, it's like, isn't there, isn't there something else I can do here? Is there some lint somewhere I can clean? Yeah. Um, uh, so, and I think when I don't take the initiative, um, you know, a lot of times that's where. Um, you know, where she feels like she has to force things, and that's where it gets, you know, I abdicate my role as, um, as the, as the leader of the household. And so that's where, you know, we sometimes, you know, get into trouble, but, you know, we end up talking about it and, and still not very good at it, but, you know, she's, uh, she has been faithful and weathered 27 27- <laughs> 27 years of hemming and hawing yeah. and, uh, we're getting a little better, I guess. Yeah. And I suppose we're all in some kind of pattern of how we uh how we communicate and our patterns you know they define to some degree how we're going to do it and then there comes with that the blind spots oh absolutely and you would think as a professor of communication be really good at it but you know those who can't teach right <laughs> yeah sorry I just, I no but i mean i get that I it's, you're a victim right. of your of your profession you're the cleaning lady with a dirty house well yeah sometimes you're just you're professing all the time but then sometimes you don't practice very right. good and so, um, I mean, I yeah. come in every day and create the illusion that I'm comfortable in front of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, that's, that's, I mean, it, there is all of that kind of, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. I think there's some of that probably a little bit in all of us, but there, there, but then there's a, there's a truth that is, that is held. And then, you know, God is, you know, the, as you look to him and, you know, you want to have your mind renewed. And so that, you know, that you would be more like him and that you would behave more like him and that, you know, Christ would increase. And so that I would behave um, more like who Jesus is and not behave, but as Jesus would transform me into, you know, his likeness. And so that he increases and I decrease. And, um, you know, I think that's the, that's the prayer to kind of continually be pursuing Christ and pursuing the things that he has in front of us so that, you know, um, so we give him glory. Um, and, you know, and even through hard times and when we fail one another, we have to keep reminding ourselves that God is not any less true. And um, and I think that's, you know, and then keeping our eyes on the ending, um, you know, I mean, for the joy set before us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that we'd be able to persevere and forgive one another and not build up resentment and um, and, you know, go forth you know, as, you know, joint heirs in the kingdom, yeah. you know, as far as marriage is concerned. You know, I, I wonder if we all couldn't be better at listening. Yeah. I bet I mean, that would eliminate you know, and, some and, blind spots. Yeah. I mean, I was, um, I think you're dead on. I think the key is listening. I, we, um, there was a, a play in the Twin Cities that, that was, you know, a couple months ago when we could actually go to plays. Um, it was called The White Card. And it was a play that was about this progressive kind of liberal Manhattan couple who loved to collect African-American art that deals with racial injustice. And so they invite the artist over for dinner with the best and noblest of intentions. 
but basically they have all their own blind spots and they're so content on, you know, telling her um, so much, you know, about themselves that they fail to listen to her and how what they're doing might be more harmful than it would be good. And, you know, so it's just everything just got in the way because they wanted to be, you know, make a name for themselves as opposed to, you know, getting an understanding who this artist really was. And it's just sort of this, you know, you know, at one point leading the artist to say that all the mass murder and devastation that comes with you being you. And and I think that that there's some of us, um, you know, there was a quote by Andrew Peterson a number of years ago um, on the liner of one of his great albums. It's, you know, I'm reminded daily by both the appalling and endearing scent of those of my family and friends that I realized that we're both far from glory yet meant for it. Wow. And, and it's like, you know, that if the more that we can kind of listen and, I mean, there's a reason why God says, you know, be slow to speak and quick to listen. <laughs> it's like, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's telling us something because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's very quick to listen and slow to speak. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I think that there's a big lesson in, in learning to remember that, you know, we're going to be far from grace, but yet we're meant, meant for it. Mm-hmm. And if you get with someone that you love and care about and you say to them gently, is there a blind spot that you see that I have that you would like to gently address with me? I won't be defensive. And then, and, very, uh, and, then yeah. and then try to do that. Yeah, that would be a that would be a tremendous application and um and what a what a discipline to be able to, you know, nurture that muscle. Might be pretty sore for a while, you know, when you work something out. Yeah, because that that, that works good in theory, but but maybe not in reality. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But I I mean, it's something that you certainly need to do and be willing to. And especially, you know, as people of faith, it's like, you know, to have the grace to humbly come before someone and say, you know, I feel like we're struggling in this area. I feel like I've got a blind spot here. or I feel like I've got a sinful tendency here. And, you know, even just having that conversation with the Lord, it's like, Lord, how is it between us? How am I doing? Reveal mm. something in me that, um, you know, that that I might be doing that I need to, to change. That I'm just not aware of, you know, bring something, you know, bring something to me, you know, help me, you know, help me see the flaws and then, you know, Lord, kill it. You know, I don't want to just behave better. I mean, that's, we don't want to do that. We want, we want the Lord to kill the things in us that are not of God and, you know, whatever the sin, you know, might be. And we need the Lord to come and just kill it mm-hmm. so that we might live more. Yeah, I, because you're the director of communications, I, and I'm always aware that when you're talking to someone, I'm always thinking, am I listening to them or am I just waiting for them to stop talking so I can start talking? Well, most of the time when I'm talking, my wife, you know, will kind of nudge me and go, it's time for you to stop talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, how yeah. long ago yeah, did she stop listening to you? Like, okay, I, I get it. It's like I can talk in circles, you know, with the best of them. And uh, so anyway. But I think that's a blind spot, especially uh, in radio, because I, I know that when I listen to someone like having coffee with a friend, they might say something and I might at their conclusion of what they're get done saying, I might go, huh. That is really interesting. And then I might pause for 30 seconds. You can't do that on radio. No, you really, you really can't. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impossible to do that. So in other um, words, because then it's, co- then it's, then it's basically college radio, which can be summed up with dead air, um, <laughs> dead air. 
I like having you on the show. Mark, thank you for doing this. How is the online uh, teaching going? The online teaching is uh, it's like this valiant effort that is it's a little bit like George Jetson <laughs> in the beginning of the Jetsons TV show. It's like, Jane, stop this crazy thing. Uh-huh. So I'm uh, I'm ready for it to be over. Uh, it's it's been a challenge. Um, I'm really proud of the of the faculty at University of Northwestern that is really enthusiastically just sort of risen up and, you know, looking for ways to be able to connect to students and then, um, you know, and show them Christ is still king. Um, Let's continue to pursue our studies. Let's try to do this differently together. Students rising up and, you know, and, uh, you know, a little bit more in their native language, uh, certainly online and, um, and you know they're into it, and so it's gone surprisingly well. I it's, I haven't worked this hard, and it's been a really uh, a little bit more. It gets your creative juices flowing a, a little bit to kind of figure out ways, to, different ways to do things. Um, but it's it has not been easy. Yeah. Well, Mark, thanks for doing the show. Have a great rest of there the day. Welcome. Yeah, I'll talk to you next time. You too. Yep, thanks. All right, great. Mark, Mark Senius has been my guest, the chair of communications right here at the University of Northwestern. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much for listening and being with us today. I love that you support and listen to Faith Radio. As you lay your head on the pillow tonight, just know that God's working out his great plan in your life. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.